Come on, baseball fans, let's go down on the farm. We'll be checking out the sticks. Gonna be checking out the arms. Seeing who's throwing up some leather. Seeing who's got their stroke together. See the stars of tomorrow play today. Gonna be big fun, let's get on our way. Going down on the farm with Billy Mac and Ray. Hello, baseball fans, and especially you Seattle Mariner baseball fans. Welcome to the Maiden Voyage, season one, edition number one of our new podcast, Down on the Farm. What we like to think of as a major look at the minor leagues with a special emphasis on the Seattle Mariners baseball club farm system. I'm your host, along with my good buddy and serious baseball fan, co-host Ray Lada. Say hi, Ray. Hey, everybody. Hey, Billy. How's it going? It's going great. I'm sure glad to be kicking this off with you, and I know we're going to have a lot of fun with each other and with the fans as well, I hope. Absolutely. I think this is going to be a really enlightening experience for a lot of people out there that are kind of casual baseball fans that want to know more about our system and where these players come from and how they get to where they're going. We are brought to you this week and every week by Open Range Entertainment, producers of great film, recording, and radio content across the entertainment spectrum including their latest holiday release, Piney the Lonesome Pine, which has been featured on the Disney channels throughout the holidays, and we want to thank them. Well, we're both excitable boys when it comes to baseball, and uh, we'll be bringing heat, so let's hope we bring a little light along the way. Now, Ray, you and I are fans of the minor leagues. We know they're way too often overlooked, and I know what a great baseball fan you are, Ray. I've had the great pleasure of being in the park with you and sharing some of your baseball memories. In fact, we were together in the radio booth in September of 2019, the night Felix Hernandez made his last start in a Mariner uniform. Yeah, it was a enlightening experience. I've never felt that much emotion before at the game itself, uh, being up in the booth and watching the people that, you know, are the talking heads for the Mariners actually show their emotion of, towards the whole situation. It was an unforgettable experience. I'll never, ever forget that moment. And uh, just to be a part of it, to be at, in the stadium at all. In fact, I just watched a replay of it the other day, and it was still that emotional to me. Well, those guys in the booth, you know, their hearts are in the game. Those guys, and gentlemen and women in the booth, ladies, uh, it was meaningful to everyone involved. And speaking of the ladies in the booth, that later that year at the Rick Riz Toys for Kids Christmas Banquet, I ran into Shannon Dreyer. And you might remember that as we all stood as one when Felix exited the field, I snapped a picture from the back of the radio booth. And Shannon actually had that framed and just sent it to her father and uh that meant a lot to me. And it certainly shows at that moment that meant so much to you and I, it meant that much uh, to the team that carries the Mariner broadcast 162 games a year. Yeah, it was, it was a special moment for Seattle sports history. Uh, Felix actually pitched a fantastic game. And I, I think back to a couple of those plays, a giant catch out in the outfield uh, that saved two runs from scoring. Uh, It was just a beautiful, beautiful, like, I don't know, fairy tale story ending for him and then when he came out for the curtain call and watching everybody in the whole stadium go ballistic it was fantastic to be a part of well i don't think there'd been an exit like his since certainly since ken griffey jr yeah griffey uh, again had the same type of thing and when the emotions were so high uh not just for the fans but for both felix and griffey they i mean you could see it in their in their face and their expressions uh even a couple rubs towards their face, uh, maybe shedding a tear or two. Um, it was 
another one of those moments that you'll never forget if you were able to watch it live, especially. Well, no doubt about it. You're talking about once in a generation kind of players. So, so Ray, tell the fans a little bit about your baseball background, why you love the game so much, about your connection to the game, and how is it that Ray Lana ends up doing a podcast about baseball? Well, first off, Billy, I love baseball. I always have. Um, uh, when I was a kid, I collected baseball cards. I also played baseball a little bit when I was young. Uh, but when I collected the baseball cards, that's what really pulled me into the game. I would flip these cards over. I would flip that sucker over, if you will, and to read the stats on the back of it to find out who's good, what uh, what these stats meant. And I kind of started my um, look into the analytics of baseball at that time. I remember going to the games with my parents, uh, watching Dave Valley smack a home run into Dave's Valley out in the outfield. Um, and that he was my favorite player for that moment in time. Uh, it was just one of those things that as a kid, it was so impressionable, everything that you saw uh, of the game. And then as I've grown older, I've decided that I wanted to make a career out of sports um, and, and in the broadcasting field. I uh, would, went to Bates Technical College in Tacoma, um, and I was able to intern with the Tacoma Rainiers, and I've worked for them for the last five years since then. Well, unquestionably, the Tacoma Rainiers have been one of the great minor league franchises, not just of the Pacific Coast League, but all of minor league baseball going back to the Stan Nacarado days. I think the franchise is quite a treasure and that's quite an experience you've had, I'm sure, working with them and getting to see the organization from the inside. Yeah, it's been quite an experience. My my main role when I'm there, I work with the broadcast team, uh, but one of the main things I do is uh, plug in statistics. So I'm plugging in like a 6-4-3 double play and just kind of analyzing the game as I'm doing it. It's To me, I can't believe they pay me to do this job because uh, I'm actually having more fun than probably anybody in the stadium because I'm actually getting a great seat to watch the game as well as input the stuff that I like, which is the stats. Uh, the numbers and the analytics is what keeps me going with baseball keeps me interested in every single facet of it, all the way from the entry-level minor league system all the way up to the pros. Well, Ray, having made my life my entire life as a singer and performer, uh, the phrase, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life is certainly true. I I'm lucky to be here. I grew up as an aerospace brat and changed grammar schools eight times in eight years. Got to see a lot of the country, but the one constant in my life was always baseball. And in my very young years, my father worked in the Seattle, Washington area, and I got to see a lot of Pacific Coast League baseball when it was in hey, its heyday back at Old Six Stadium. And as a young boy, I got to see Maury Wills and Veda Pinson and Willie McCovey and Claude Osteen come through the minor leagues and be managed by grizzled old veterans that I'd read about, like Johnny Pesky and Lefty O'Doul. But I did most of my growing up in New Orleans, where the closest major league team was the Houston Wait. Colt 45s, even before the Houston Astros, before the eighth wonder of the world was built. But when my music career brought me back to the Pacific Northwest in the 1970s, the dream of all dreams came true when the Seattle Mariners franchise was born and I was actually living in a major league town. Believe it or not, Ray, at that time, seats in the outfield were a dollar apiece. I wish. Uh, <laughs> they haven't been that price ever in my lifetime, obviously. Uh, but... It I mean, anywhere you go, especially at T-Mobile Park these days, it's just like anywhere you go in the entire stadium, you're in a great seat. Um, and I love working with the Rainiers because their venue is just absolutely amazing. Oh, yeah. It's so intimate in that place. Uh, every seat is so close to the field. I mean, you can hear the players talking to each other on, you know, the talking to the third base coach while they're standing on the bag. I mean, it's it's a really great experience. 
Yeah, I love going to T-Town to see a game. So after becoming a bleacher bum, uh, one, back when Rupert Jones patrolled center field, I later was fortunate enough to become part of an organization which exists to this day called the RBI Club, Real Baseball Involvement. And the fans should know about these guys. They're uh, loosely 100 civic and business leaders and uh, one rhythm and blues singer who snuck in the back door. Uh, who used to go out in the community and convince businesses that baseball was an asset, sell season tickets. And uh, the, these guys actually played a significant role in saving baseball in, in the community. And the Mariners are here today largely because of, well, in part because of the work they did. Somehow along the way, as a denizen of the kingdom, I got to hang out with uh, local sports writers like the great J. Michael Kenyon and ended up striking a friendship with Three guys named Dave Niehaus, Rick Riz, and Kevin Kremen. And one of my great baseball memories will be the incredible privilege of calling an inning of baseball on the radio with Dave Niehaus and the crew and getting to do the post-game show with Rick Riz. Uh, certainly a baseball memory I'll never forget. And it all came full circle for me in 2017 when I wrote the biography of Dave Niehaus. The my oh my, my oh my, the Dave Niehaus story. So you and I have been around the game our entire lives, Ray. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't plan on going anywhere, actually. Uh, this is what I love, <laughs> so I'm going to continue to do it. Uh, I had a chance to read your book. It was fantastic. Uh, I've read it twice. Uh, the writing in it is absolutely wonderful. Uh, some of the information in there is, you know, you couldn't have got that unless you were very closely related with the family when, when, it, when you were writing it. Well, I was uh, very fortunate. Marilyn Niehaus, uh, Greta, the entire family was most cooperative. I got to go back to Princeton, Indiana and see Dave's hometown and where he hung out and see Bossy Field, one of the great minor league, the uh, second oldest park behind Fenway in uh, in all of baseball. And, uh, you know, speaking of broadcasters, we're very lucky to have the guys we have here as we add our voices to the public discussion about the team uh, Rick Riz, Dave Sims, rising stars, Gary Hill and Aaron Goldsmith and uh, Mike Blowers, who, you know, uh, a lot of players don't make that transition to the booth the way Mike Blowers has. He's really uh, come into his own. Yeah, I love Blowers. He's 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 real. Uh, when you listen to him, it, he speaks from a real standpoint of knowing the game intimately, obviously, as a player for so many years. But when he talks about baseball, he talks about it in a way that just about anybody can relate to. And that's one of the best things about listening with, to what he has to say. And, and he, he talks about the game with respect and respect, not just for the game, but for what the players go through. Uh, Dave Sims, I first encountered Dave doing Monday Night Football on uh, Westwood One, I believe it was. And we're so lucky to have Rick Riz here. The continuity that he provides He's now the voice of the Mariners. And, you know, one of my favorite tests of the great announcers is a triple with two men on base because literally a seven, eight guys are involved in the play. And you want to know how good Rick Riz is. You listen to him call a triple with two guys on base and you realize he really has the whole field, the entire perspective of the action in his, in his frame of focus. Yeah. Uh, Rick Riz is kind of one of my heroes. Uh, 
that was one of the things that when we got to go to that game and go up into the booth, uh, the gravity of the situation with Felix in his last game obviously hindered a little bit of what I could have been able to talk to him about. But at the same time, Rick is a genuine individual. He's always very friendly to every single person. He walks out into the stands. I've seen him out there. He's talked to my parents out there. My parents have gone to spring training and gone to those dinners and met with him, and they have nothing but great things to say about him. My personal favorite thing about Rick is like how he can start a story and finish it three innings later because he doesn't skip a beat. He continues to call the game every single facet of it. And he never misses his place where he is in his story. And it's a fantastic thing. And as a baseball junkie and a purist to the game, I love listening to to his anecdotes and things that he throws into the game to make it more interesting. Well, after a lifetime of show business, I can say that there are a lot of characters I've run into and a lot of folks who are uh, not always who they seem to be and, and so forth. But if there was a word I would apply across the board to the staff of Mariner Brad broadcasters, it would be genuine. Uh, Rick Riz is such a genuine human being. Dave Sims, Gary Hill, when you talk to these guys, Aaron, they are so genuine with you and, and they don't put on airs. They are gracious to the fans. Look at the way Rick welcomed you into the booth that night. Uh, they're just special people. And Shannon Dreyer has brought so much to that staff with her acumen and her, her zeal for for finding out the little things that go on behind the scenes and keeping us informed about it. Yeah, I've actually been watching a ton of uh, Shannon Dreyer's videos that she has posted with interviews of all these players and prospects that we're talking about in the next in the upcoming weeks. And uh, just the questions she asks aren't necessarily just like, how, how do you feel about hitting a fastball, you know, or how do, how do you how do you work with a curve from a right-hander? She actually asked things like, what's your favorite thing to do besides baseball? Uh, interview with Julio Rodriguez. He said video games. And she goes, oh, I can see that. You know, it, it's it was pretty fun to watch how she can kind of conform or not conform, but uh, be a chameleon to whatever situation and but still get the, the real imperative information from these players at the same time. Dave Niehaus was very fond of Shannon Dreyer. He saw the uh, the magic and the potential there. And well, let's hope some of that magic returns to what is now T-Mobile Park in the summer of 2021 on the field, uh, because a lot of changes are going on across Major League Baseball and in particular across the minor league landscape as we head into the new season. So we want the fans to know that we're primarily going to be focusing on the prospects in the pipeline, the guys who are on the horizon, because they're the ones who could have a big-time impact on the big league club, perhaps as early as next year, but certainly in the near future. Yeah, exactly. Uh, these players are the ones that are going to be the future of our organization, uh, whether they're a piece that we use for a trade to get other players in or whether they're going to move up in our own system and start playing for our big league uh, squad. Um, there's a lot of a lot of lot of hope for these players that are coming up. I think we're ranked number two in all of baseball for our minor league system at this point. And as far as me being a Mariners fan my entire life, that's never happened before. So it certainly it's pretty has. impressive. It certainly has. Well, let's begin with the lay of the land here because minor league baseball has really been reshaped this year, and I, my heart goes out to these some forty cities that have lost affiliate teams this year as Major League Baseball pared down the agreement and all the clubs are going to be represented by four teams, which certainly meant a shakeup in the Mariner minor league lineup. So why don't you tell the fans where the uh, Mariner players are going to be playing in 2021? 
Okay, so just like you said, uh, there are 30 teams. All teams will have four affiliated teams, and that's it. Uh, this changes a little bit from the past, but it's going to be a kind of an even playing field, from my perspective anyway, uh, moving forward. Uh, our AAA affiliate is still going to be the Tacoma Rainiers. Uh, they've worked out whatever deals they needed to get done in order to continue to play there. Uh, again, that's a great venue and a great stadium. Our double <laughs> A is going to be in Arkansas. Uh in our, we're going to uh, the high A and low A have shifted. Uh, so our high A is going to be in Everett, which is going to be moved up from the low A, and it's going to allow them to play many more games this season. And that venue is great too. So it's just an hour north of Seattle, and you're in, in Everett too. And then, of course, our low A team is going to be the Modesto Nuts, a funny name, but a fun team. Oh, yeah. I spoke to Danny Tetzlab recently, the GM of the Everett Aqua Sox, and they are so excited about the prospects for this season. Uh, certainly there are all kinds of challenges with scheduling in their ballpark and with Northwest weather. But uh, this year there are going to be literally 450 professional baseball games played within an hour drive of Seattle. Yeah, it's going to be really exciting. Um, with uh, with Everett, there's going to be a, a little bit of a change because they're actually going to be the, the Northwest League is shrinking from eight teams to six. So they'll be playing a lot of the same opponents over and over again. But for the city of Everett and all the fans of baseball up in that area, it's going to be fantastic because now we're going to actually, because they moved up to the high A, they're going to have a lot more talent on the field. And it's going to have a lot more draw for the fans. The more fans that go to the the high A, the double A, the triple A, all these games, it's going to basically be a catalyst for Mariner fandom moving forward. And that's what I hope to provide for people. And we, of course, don't want to leave out our rookie league fans, so fear not. The Peoria Mariners and the Dominican Republic Mariners, um, which I'm sure somebody knows how to get on satellite somewhere, uh, they're going to be playing their games this year as well. So now that we know where the Mariner farmhands are going to be playing, let's talk about who they are and their likelihood of seeing time at uh, T-Mobile Park in 2021. And... uh, Ray, we probably should let the fans know that over the initial few weeks, our goal is to get a good look at these prospects, break them down by position, so our listeners can not only be more familiar with them, but more easily track their progress through the organization and be as excited about them as we are. Yeah, exactly what you said. Uh, And it's basically we're trying to build a little bit of hype behind these players and allowing people to listen to that hype and understand what's going on with these players. Um, we have a lot of very high prospects in major league baseball. Again, we're the second number two team in minor league system in all of baseball. So these players are going to be names that you're going to be hearing a lot of if you're following the Mariners in the next couple of years. Now, some of them may be up in this year. Some of them may be up next year and some even later than that. So it is our hope that in the coming years, as you learn about these players through the podcast, you'll be able to say, yeah, that I saw him pitch in, in uh, Everett a couple of years ago. I saw him pitch last year in Tacoma, and here he is at T-Mobile Park. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I think one time we were just talking and we were talking about how we are learning about these players, and some of these players may never play for the Mariners organization, but you may see him come out in Chicago out of the bullpen and uh, throw a few innings, and you're like, hey, I do know that guy because uh, Ray and Billy were talking about him on the Down on the Farm podcast. And we certainly want to know, want the players to know, and the fans as well, how much we respect what they do. And we know how hard it is to even get a shot to play Major League Baseball. So, to you know, playing double-A ball, triple-A ball, that's a, that would have been a dream for a lot of us. And these guys not only have achieved that level, but continue to strive, continue to work. And we want to wish all of them every success possible. 
Yeah, exactly. And and our philosophy has kind of shifted in the last couple of years. Um, and it seems like we're drafting more major league ready players as opposed to these younger developmental players, uh, which is going to be a catalyst for us moving forward in a relatively quick manner. Uh, I could see some of these, basically all these guys we're talking about right now, I could see them all in the big leagues in the next two years. So. Well, Ray, as you know, it's the season for trades and signing as we sit here in mid-February and GM Jerry DePoto of the Seattle Mariners Baseball Club is not one to sit idle and every big league acquisition shuffles the minor league debt and for at least the pitching staffs on both the big league and minor league level, that has happened twice in this offseason. First with the signing of Chris Flexen in December of 2020. Now, we just got Chris out of the Korean Baseball Organization Eight and four last year with an eye-popping 3.1 ERA, 132 strikeouts to 30 walks, great ratio. In uh, 28 and a third innings in the postseason, his ERA was under two. Now, as you and I have agreed to talk about all the time, we love some of the Saber metrics. We'll try not to, you know, inundate the fans with them, but there's some odd ones that pop up in time that are interesting. And there's one called FIP, Fielding Independent of Pitching, which rates a pitcher's performance had he had average defense behind him, league average defense. Since 2002, there have only been two seasons in which a pitcher's had a 28% strikeout ratio and an FIP below 3.0. And Mr. Flexen had one in 2020. Yeah, Chris Flexen is a, an amazing player, big-bodied young man, 26 years old. Um, he's worked mostly in relief, but he should get into the rotation if we run a six-man rotation. He pitches a fastball in the mid-90s with a slider curve and change on top of that. Uh, I believe that he's kind of revitalized his career by going to the Korean Baseball League. Um, he was, wasn't too great in the majors with the Mets prior to but with this I think he's got kind of a chip on his shoulder and he's ready to go for us in the near future starting this year well and 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 in, with a lineup a pitching rotation that is dominated by left-handers the addition of a what they used to always call a big big strapping right-hander is certainly a plus for the Mariners yeah 6'3 250 right-hander 26 years old man this guy He's got some good stuff, um, and he dominated the Korean Baseball League. Again, uh, Korean Baseball League is a different league than the majors, uh, but I think with what his newfound confidence, I think that I think that there's a, a good chance that he could be a viable starter for us for the entire season this year. Well, one of the things you and I will focus on, Ray, throughout the series of podcasts is how the players develop, how a key turns for them. They find for pitchers, they might find an extra pitch. They might find a new position from which to release their curveball and suddenly they are measurably better than they were before yeah i mean it can be something as simple as moving over one inch on off the off the mound um these things can absolutely change a player's you know trajectory on their pitch which can look change the view that the hitters have when they're going to swing at the ball um Chris Flexen has definitely worked on his game. Otherwise, he wouldn't be in this situation right now, moving back into the majors again with a big opportunity of being a starter uh, in our six-man rotation. Yeah. And the other big acquisition this offseason, if it were a 90s rap tune today, would be Return of the Maple. James Paxson is back in Seattle after spending a couple of years with the New York Yankees. And uh, seeing the big left-hander back, I think, is a real plus for this staff. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. Uh, you know, 
uh, Paxton has been kind of a staple for all the fans with us. Uh, you know, the no hitter, uh, this guy, he, he, he can pitch. He's got the stuff. Uh, he's always had an issue with his injuries though. He's had lots of weird injuries too, like finger injuries and, you know, like a hangnail that won't stop kind of thing. Um, and it didn't change and it didn't stop when he moved to New York, but we got him back with, almost for almost nothing and uh to be able to put him back in the lineup whether you know as long as he stays healthy i think he's going to be one of those guys that's definitely a staple in our lineup 38 and 17 over his last three years with the mariners i'll, I'll take that anytime oh absolutely and you know one of the things about paxton too is like when you watch him pitch he commands the mound better than a lot of other pitchers out there in the league uh and when he's up on the mound you can tell the batters aren't aren't ready for it he throws hard heat and uh you know he's just one of those pitchers that you know you, you, he's intimidating when he's standing on the mound well so while we will be concentrating on the pitching staffs in the minor league over our next few episodes we thought that uh perhaps in this first episode we would focus focus on the five or six prospects who are highest rated in the organization yeah, we're going to start with our, our top prospect, and we're going to work our way down. We'll get to about five of these guys uh, to get us kind of going in this podcast and uh, get those names out there. These are the guys that the excitement is building for them. Uh, these are the guys that we could see moving up into the majors at any point in the season. These are the guys that you've probably heard of before. They've been high draft picks, and you know we've put a lot of capital into these guys, and we have a lot of things that we're hoping that they can provide for our team. Well, let's kick it off with the ninth-ranked Major League Baseball prospect, former first-round pick of the New York Mets, sixth overall. This was in 2018. Pats left, throws left, six-foot, one-inch, 190-pound Jared Kelnick, outfielder. Uh, as you and I both know, Ray, the day that Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz were traded, and every bit as much Diaz as Robinson, Mariner fans were scratching their heads and wondering what was going on, but this young man was part of that deal. Yeah, uh, Kelnick is is one of those players that, you know, he could be a superstar in this league. And when I say superstar, I'm talking like a, a top 10 player in the entire league, uh, a Mookie Betts, a, uh, Mike Trout, that kind of player moving on. Um, in fact, if you look at just the body shape of this man, uh, he's only 190. He's going to grow, obviously, from there, but he's he's cut. He looks like a young Mike Trout, essentially. Um uh, in the minors with Arkansas, he played 21 games with 83 at-bats, 21 hits, three steals, a 253 average. Um, he has some power, and it's been coming along slowly but surely. And uh, I think that as he moves forward with better coaching, when, as he moves up the ranks, he's he's actually going to get a little bit more pop on his bat, too. He's He's a fantastic player. Well, and also 35 stolen bases in his 173 minor league games. Bodes well. Got some speed. Uh, we've all longed for speed in the Mariner lineup for, we know how exciting it was when D Gordon put on a Mariner uniform. So if he can bring that part of his game to a T-Mobile park, he's going to be all the more exciting. Yeah. Uh, that's one of those things that's, uh, you know, as far as like an analytic analytics driven kind of fan, um, like Moneyball that you see, you know, the, the, the old, uh, movie there, you can, getting on base and getting to second base to get into scoring position is a, is a huge asset to any team. And he's got so many tools, man, this guy can play, you know, pretty much anywhere in the field, but you know, mostly a center fielder and 
He's got a lot of speed. Obviously, if you're a center fielder in Major League Baseball or any level of baseball, you're a fast man. And uh, he's he's kind of got a chip on his shoulder too. This this guy he he wants to be a superstar, and he does not believe anybody that tells him that he's not gonna be. Uh, that's one of the things I really like about him. His confidence is key. Well, the elephant in the room certainly is the turmoil in the Mariner franchise this week uh, that led to the departure of uh, Kevin Mather as CEO. Uh, and part of that swirled around Jared Kelnick and the idea that he wants to play and uh, that the organization is in a bit of a tricky spot. We remember in 2000, this organization got handcuffed because Alex Rodriguez had been brought up a half year earlier than expected. And that meant Griffey and Rodriguez's contract came due in the same year. Uh, but I know there are a lot of fans who want to see Kelnick and T-Mobile field every bit as much as he wants to be there. Yeah. Kelnick was actually offered a contract very similar to Kyle Lewis's contract. Um, and Kelnick, declined the offer. Uh, the Mariners still have controlling rights for six years total. Um, but at the end of that, Kelnick can be a free agent and go wherever he wants, unless they renegotiate and sign a new contract before then. But one of the craziest things, and again, the thing that I like to hear from a player is that he said he's betting on himself. Uh, and if he's betting on himself, that means he's confident in his ability to become better every single time he steps out there to play another game of baseball. Well, after the Moneyball reference, uh, Ray and I are going to wait till after the broadcast to fight over who gets to be Brad Pitt and who gets to be Jonah Hill. But in the meantime, we're going to move <laughs> on to the next prospect, who is the 15th rated prospect. And this this young man is really exciting. He's a right-handed hitting, right-handed throwing outfielder, 6'3", 180. And even though his ETA at T-Mobile is 2022, we got him up in the international free agent market put a $1.75 million bonus into him. Second highest ranked prospect, Julio Rodriguez. Yeah, Julio Rodriguez is one of those players that I'm absolutely to the moon excited for. Uh, he is kind of a raw talent. You know, he came from the Dominican League uh, and he's a Dominican player, of course, too. Uh, he batted 322 in the minors. This this guy, he's got everything. And when you see him out on the field, he's a monster of a man. At 6'3", 180, he looks like a man among boys. He is one of those players with so much potential that he could go anywhere. And I know that we've said this about Kelnick, too, and we're probably going to say it about a couple other players, that these guys are huge potential players that can be everyday starters in the major leagues at any point. And like you said, 2022 is a little ways away. He's only 19 years old, and this guy is amazing. Well, we saw it in the 80s, and we saw it in the early 2000s with the Kansas City Royals organization. When they made major commitments to their minor league system, got a core group of players that they brought up one after the other. So for a three or four, three-year, four-year stretch in a row, they added one, two, three prospects a year. Suddenly, they had a solid ball club from top to bottom. And you look at Rodriguez's stats, 322 average in two minor league seasons, a 395 on base percentage. And he's a fun kid. He's already been featured in some YouTube videos. I, I think he's going to bring a lot of personality to the park with him as well as ability. Yeah, uh, he's uh, dubbed himself J-Rod, which is kind of fun, just in general. <laughs> but he's also doing interviews with all the players. I watched an interview with him and Logan Gilbert uh, today, and just watching him and his interaction with the other players. I mean, he's a character. Like, this is reminding me of, like, back in the in the uh, early 90s and, and the mid-90s with these players, how our team wasn't just a good ball club. They were actually 
very big characters and they were a lot of fun to watch and the commercials and the things that were able to be put out because of these guys was fantastic. Um, Rodriguez, uh, one thing we didn't touch on his speed. This guy is fast. Another guy that's going to get, be able to steal bases in the majors for sure. Uh, that's one of the tools that he definitely has. And I can't wait to see what happens with this guy. And fans don't forget that speed means first to third on a ball in a gap. That speed means scoring from second base. That means speed puts constant pressure on the defense and it brings an element to to the game and, the, and to the team that it, I, I just think is invaluable. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, that's and especially um, when you're talking about like the new uh, extra innings rules, you know, if you can throw him on second base, I mean, all you need is a, a just a blooper over the over the infield and he's scoring for sure. Um, and that's the same with Kelnick and a couple other players, too, that we'll talk about. But Rodriguez is one of those guys that like his potential is be, it hasn't been tapped yet, which is the best part about it is like we have not seen what he can do for sure. Um, so I'm really excited about about J-Rod moving forward. Well, let's hope uh, maybe in 20 years, J-Rod will be married to Dua Lipa. Who knows? It'll, <laughs> it'll, it'll work out for him. Well, speaking of the young pups, a, a canine of a completely different variety, a Georgia Bulldog is up next, and he is the 30th ranked prospect in Major League Baseball and third overall in the Mariners system, and a guy I know you love, 6'4", 213-pound, Right-handed pitcher, our first-round draft pick, sixth overall in 2020 from the University of Georgia in the Southeastern Conference, Emerson Hancock. Emerson Hancock, man, this guy is my favorite pitcher, and as far as prospects go, in our in our system at this point, he's a huge, big-bodied guy, six four, two thirteen, twenty-one years old, and the best part about this guy is like, while he hasn't had major league experience. He has played in some very, very tough divisions. Uh, he, mm. Like you said, out of Georgia, he played in the SEC, and the SEC is no joke. Uh, as a freshman, he went six and four. As a sophomore, eight and three, with only a one nine nine ERA, with ninety seven strikeouts. Uh, he was a first team All SEC and All American. He's a downhill thrower with great rotation on his ball. He is a force to be reckoned with moving forward. And SEC baseball is a premier league. I have a nephew, Patrick Coogan, who won two national championship rings for Skip Bertman's LSU Tigers in the mid-90s. And uh, not only did they, did they get to play year-round, but uh, the SEC teams play, you know, a sep- I forget what it is, 70 or 80-game schedule. I mean, they, they have a serious uh, schedule, those guys play, and it prepares those players for the grind that the minor leagues will become, which... Uh, prepares them for the grind that the major leagues will become yeah he's he emerson hancock is he's a well-prepped player coming out of college uh more so than a lot of other players in the pitching realm uh like he like i said he's got lots of starts Uh, he's got 10 starts as a freshman and 11 starts as a sophomore um he's got a fastball slider changeup, curveball he's got a four pitch arsenal and like i said the downhill thrower it's he throws the ball hard his fastball looks like it's going to the ground and it stays in the in the box and it's it he's an impressive impressive young man and he's followed up by another uh starboard sider a right-handed pitcher uh, who was drafted again in the first round by the Seattle Mariners this time in 2018 14th pick overall here you go again Ray six foot six inches tall 225 pounds 35th ranked prospect overall right behind Ian Anderson of the Atlanta Braves who just pitched terrifically in the pre in the postseason. We're talking about a young man named Logan Gilbert. 
Yeah, Gilbert is another guy, and this he's probably going to be our first one up into the majors out of this group. Um, he is a very, very good pitcher, a big-bodied, young, strapping lad, as you like to say. Um, this guy has good stuff, fastball, curveball, slider, changeup. He's got a good arsenal of pitches. Uh, he played for Stetson University in Florida. He's 23 years old. He went 10-0 and as a sophomore with a 202 ERA and 107 strikeouts. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And as a junior, 11 and 2 with a 272 ERA. Both of these years, he was the conference player of the year. Uh, again, a first round draft pick. He was our top pick in the year. And uh, we did this three times over. And we're going to get to the third one in just a minute. Well, talk about stats 2.13 ERA in his minor league career, 165 strikeouts in 135 innings, and just 33 walks and 135 innings, opposing hitters hitting under 200 against them. And despite just playing one full season in the minor leagues after being drafted, he's adjusted extremely well. Uh, like like we said, 14th overall pick, throws in the mid-90s, and along with Kelnick, uh, Gilbert could perform, uh, could turn out to be an impressive rookie duo, even here in 2021. Yeah, Gilbert is has potential to be like a number two, number three starter moving uh, up into the majors. Uh, and I mean, with the addition of Paxton, that might might hinder his getting to number two. But at the same time, he's got a lot of potential. Uh, he's played a lot of ball. And I mean, two years conference player of the year in college. Stetson is not you know known necessarily for baseball, but at the same time, they play good ball there, too. Um, and again, Gilbert has a great pitch arsenal. And he's another guy, I mean, 6'6", again, an intimidator on the mound. These are stats that I love about players. When I see a big-bodied, strong young man, these are the, these are the guys that are, that are going to be able to throw big power pitches uh, and force, force batters to swing at the ball and hit, get them into grounders or you know, fly outs and that type of thing. Um, but Gilbert, is, he, he's going to be a guy that you're going to hear a lot about in the, in the next, this season. And count your blessings, Mariner fans. If he ends up being the number three starter and Emerson Hancock ends up being the number four starter, that's going to speak pretty well for your uh, for your rotation with, of course, Marco Gonzalez heading up the staff. Now, our next guy, Ray, is uh, rated number 51 overall by the Major League Baseball prospect ratings. He's an outfielder, throws left, bats left, 6'2", 213. He was originally drafted by the Cincinnati Reds in 2016, and I really like this guy because when you watch him play, he looks like he's having fun. He he has this joyous way of approaching the game. His name is Taylor Trammell. Tell us a little bit about Taylor. So uh, Taylor is another big body guy, 6'2", 213 lefty. Uh, we got a lot of lefties that we're talking about, um, but he's a 20, uh, 23 years old. He's played 400 games in the majors plus. Uh, he's only averaging a two, two, or he is averaging a 270 uh, uh, batting average, which is fantastic over 400 games with a mm-hmm. with a 110 stolen there bases. This man is fast. Like I have written in my notes, speed in all caps with massive amounts of exclamation points afterwards. He is a very, very, very fast player, and uh, he's going to be an asset to our team. Again, that small ball stuff, if we can keep these guys, keep teams at bay with good pitching, uh, we only need to put up a couple runs a game in order to win games, uh, and he's going to be an integral part of that. Um, he's got a, a little bit of a high strikeout rate in the in the 30 percentile, but at the same time, you know, again, you just need to hear that one thing from one batting coach or or one other player, and you can completely change your perspective on the game. 
And it's worth noting that uh, Jerry DePoto acquired Trammell from the Padres in the uh, Austin Nola, Dan Altavilla, and I think Austin Adams was in on that deal. And uh, we all know San Diego has a terrific minor league system. They've really been going for it in the last couple of years. And this is one of the players that they had hoped not to have to give up. Uh, and we've added, in fact, we've added him to the 40-man roster just to protect him from the Rule 5 draft. He's got an impressive set of tools, some sneaky power, uh, 33 home runs. And uh, I think his, even though his highest minor league level was A, and that was back in 2019, this is going to be an unusual year in the minor leagues because a lot of things are going to shake out because of the, the fact that no season was played in 2020. Yeah, uh, that's definitely going to be a big thing for all, all the teams out there, not just the Mariners organization, but every other baseball league out there. One thing you've noticed that we've talked about three outfielders already, and as you got, as everybody knows, you know we have Kyle Lewis up there in the majors already, but uh, we're going to have Julio is probably going to be a prospect that we kind of wait on a little bit to bring up. Um, well, Trammell can go up right now or, or in the na- very, very near future. If you think about our outfield in a couple seasons, I mean, you're talking about Jared Kelnick, uh, Kyle Lewis, Julio Rodriguez, and Taylor Trammell. That is fantastic. I mean, you can't really ask for much more. All those guys have huge speed. Some of them have some really big pop with their bat. And, you know, I think Trammell is a fantastic addition. And the Mariners, I think personally, are absolutely correct to hold on to him by whatever means necessary. And I do think that one of the advantages, and Scott Service has shown a tendency to do this, one of the advantages of the designated hitter rule in the American League is that you have that extra place for an an extra piece of talent on your bench, an extra man of talent, and and you can utilize an extra outfielder, an extra first baseman. By running them through the DH role on occasion, you can balance four outfielders instead of three in a more creative way than than otherwise possible. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's you know what it's going to be our bread and butter essentially is we're going to be able to rotate these guys out of the field so they don't have to play every single play uh, on defense and they can get up and still swing the bat which is you know one of the talents that we love about all these guys Tramel is he's he's probably he's definitely more major league ready than um than a julio rodriguez but uh rodriguez probably has more potential overall um but i think that if we can balance the players in the outfield, it doesn't matter where your DH comes from. He can play any position on the field. You get him in the game and he can make moves. Uh, again, a very, 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 very fast guy uh, who can hit the ball at a very decent rate. He's going to be a great addition to our team moving forward. Well, Ray, here we come to our final prospect, the number six prospect in our organization, 95 overall. And still, we are talking about a first round draft choice, our 2019 first round draft choice out of Eaton College. George Joseph Kirby, 23 years old. He's a right-hander, hits bats right-handed, just in case of you know, those National League parks. But once again, six foot four inches, 215 pounds, still growing. Uh, George Kirby, very bright future in the Mariners organization. Yeah, again, as I kind of alluded to earlier there, uh, this is our third uh, pitcher we're talking about that is a first-round draft pick. Huge talent in this in this field. Um Kirby is another big-bodied guy, 6'4", 215. He's going to grow from there because he's so young. Um, as a high school senior, he went 6-0 and with a 320 ERA with 96 strikeouts. He's got power. Uh, he throws a mid- to high 90s fastball with a curved slider and a sinker as well. 
Uh, one of the most telling stats for me personally in 2019 with Everett, he he pitched 235 with 25 strikeouts and zero base on balls. Yeah, uh, that's fantastic. And I think Kirby, along with Gilbert and Hancock, I mean, this is this is the pitching staff of the future for us. And you know, uh, there's there's a lot of moving parts in baseball, but if these guys continue on their progression that they're currently on, um, these are all guys that are going to be at our major league level very soon. Well, for our younger fans who have never heard the story, the, the legend of the great Yankee manager, pardon me, Giants manager, John McGraw, in the early 20th century, supposedly on his deathbed, turned to a friend and said, it wasn't the booze that killed me. It wasn't the women that killed me. It was those, gosh, I'll clean it up, gosh darn bases on balls. <laughs> so to see a pitcher give up zero walks, I mean, find the plate. As the uh, as, as we used to holler at guys who was having were having control problems, Babe Ruth's dead. Throw strikes. Yep, and that's exactly what they're going to do. Uh, <laughs> again, that's this the most telling stat of his just zero base on balls while still pitching a two thirty five average, which is fantastic. Uh, the ERA is there. Um, he's basically getting people into ground balls. His sinker is one of those balls that just drops out of the zone and he can induce these ground balls and they're getting people out, getting into double plays and things like that. Well, there you have it, fans. Jared Kelnick, Julio Rodriguez, Emerson Hancock, Logan Gilbert, Taylor Trammell, George Kirby. Get used to these names. You're going to be seeing them rise throughout the system and we're going to have the chance to see these guys play in Everett up at Funko Field with the Everett Sox down at Cheney Stadium at Tacoma with the Tacoma Rainiers. We're going to get the incredible experience of within an hour's drive north or south, watching these players grow, develop, and become uh, minor league forces and ultimately major league players. Yeah, it's going to be a really fun couple of seasons here, but starting right now, and I don't know about everybody else out there, but I'm really dying for more baseball than what we saw last season. Um, and, we're going to get a influx of all this talent at all these different levels. So we're going to have the opportunity to, you know, spend 10 bucks to get into a game and watch one of these guys throw some heat out there on the mound and just see what they're, see what they're all about. Um, the cool thing about it too, is that, you know, the more you know about these players, the more excited you'll get about these players. So hopefully we provided enough information about these guys that you can take that to your to the ballpark and talk to your buddies about it and say, Hey, you know, Oh yeah, this guy, you know, uh, Emerson Hancock was an amazing pitcher at Georgia, you know, that kind of thing. I hope that we can uh, continue to give you more information. If you guys have any information that you need that we're not providing for you, uh, we both have a Twitter account set up. I'm at D O T F Ray and Billy. I'm at Billy D I'm a, I'm a D O T F Billy. So uh, please, or you can write an email if you like to info at dotf.live that's our website once again that's dotf.live you have something you want to hear about want us to talk about something you, you might even, you might have something you particularly like you might have a gripe we want to know about it we would like to have a community of people who enjoy the game and care about minor league baseball as much as we do Exactly. And, uh, you know, that we're, we're here to try to provide you with the information that you want and need, but if we're not, we want to know about it too. So if you guys have questions about specific players or anything, or, uh, you know, how, how is, uh, Emerson Hancock's fastball, that kind of thing, just hit me up on Twitter. And speaking of community, there are a lot of places where people get their podcasts now. So if you go, don't find our podcast down on the farm, 
where you normally get your podcasts, please, by all means, let us know on Twitter. Send us an email at info at dotf.live so we can make sure our podcast gets on your source and make it easy for you. So, Ray, now that we've had our uh, opening episode, why don't you tell them where our podcast takes us next week in Season 1, Episode 2. All right. As Billy alluded to earlier, we're going to continue to go down the line. Uh, we're going to talk talk pitching. Uh, there's a lot of pitchers to talk about, and there's a lot of different organizations. Obviously, we have three other teams or uh, four other teams we're going to talk about. Um, so we're going to start with the Tacoma Rainiers. We're going to go down to Arkansas after that. We're going to go back up to Everett, and then we'll go down to Modesto again. We're going to talk about all these pitchers, the projected starters on each of these teams, in order, essentially, of what their, what their roles are with the teams. Now, we want the fans to know that every week we are brought to you by Open Range Entertainment, producers of great film, recording, and radio content across the entertainment spectrum, including their latest holiday release, Piney the Lonesome Pine, which starred Simon Pegg and Jonathan Price, produced in London at the Pinewood Studios. They did the recording at Abbey Road Studios. It was featured on the Disney Channel throughout the holiday season. So we want to thank the kind folks at opening Open Range Entertainment, for sponsoring the broadcast. Please uh, participate with us. We look forward to seeing you in episode two. So until next week, this is Billy Mack. And I'm Ray Lana. And we will see you next week down Down on on the the farm. farm. That's a work in progress, people. (laughs) Down on the farm with Billy Mack and Ray.